You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 37. The Tiles. The set of three framed ceramic tiles holds pride of place in our hallway. They are the work of Walter Crane, a prominent member of the Victorian arts and crafts movement. These are the heirlooms I love most, the ones I feel supremely lucky to possess. If you don't know the name Walter Crane, you've at least seen some of his work. If you pick up a children's book from the late 19th century, there's a good chance that Crane provided the illustrations. In a completely different genre, those trade union banners from the period, with an idealised Mother Earth advocating peace, plenty, equality and the rest, are also mainly the work of Crane. Most famously, there's his painting, Neptune's Horses, depicting white stallions emerging from the waves. It's the one Guinness brought to life in their acclaimed surfer advert, accompanied by the soundtrack of a heartbeat and a man reading Moby Dick. Partly because of the success of the Guinness advert, there are reproductions of Neptune's horses now hanging in living rooms all over the world. My Walter Crane tiles are not reproductions. It all began with my Auntie Rose and Uncle Bernie. They were jobbing actors and, like many in their profession, started an antiques business as a way of making ends meet during periods of resting. Because neither Rose nor Bernie were usually acting at the same time, their unit in a Portobello arcade called Roger's Antique Gallery, and known to all simply as Roger's, always opened on Saturdays, the main antiques day on Portobello. In 1962, Bernie and Rose were both cast in principal roles in Lionel Bart's new musical Blitz at the Adelphi Theatre for a long run. This presented them with the problem that on Saturdays there were both matinee and evening performances. They could be at Portobello to open the shop, but only stay until their one o'clock call. That's when my mother stepped in to mind her older sister's store until closing time. Blitz ran for two years. A palpable hit by West End standards, but not as huge as Lionel Bart's previous musical Oliver, an artistic leviathan which has become part of our cultural zeitgeist. Bernie and Rose returned to their previous lives as jobbing actors and antique dealers. Meanwhile, my parents, now bitten by the antiques bug, started Carrie Diamond Antiques, firstly in Camden Passage, then joining my aunt and uncle at Rogers around 1966. Mum and Dad were both already gainfully employed. Mum, a freelance pattern book designer, and Dad, a biochemist. But this didn't stop them from waking up at around 4am every Saturday to sell at Portobello Road, then at the same time every Sunday to buy new stock at Cutler Street in the East End. Having three scrappy sons to feed and clothe probably had something to do with it, but it's more likely that they enjoyed having a hobby as a business. Throughout my childhood, Carrie Diamond Antiques thrived to the extent that they opened a second outlet in the main market on Saturdays, employing my two teenage brothers on commission to sell bygones and collectibles. To my regret, as the baby of the family, 
I never got in on the action, but as a child labourer I had my uses. After Friday night dinner at my grandparents, my job was to help polish the silver and brass with a tin of Goddard's Duraglit ready for the next day. It often also meant hanging around Portobello Road on Saturdays with not a lot to do. It wasn't too bad. To keep me occupied, Dad always let me choose two comics, a DC and a Harvey, to help me pass the time. This was the 1960s, and Portobello, along with Carnaby Street and King's Road, was the nexus of swinging London. But with my nose in Superman, or Casper the Friendly Ghost all day, the psychedelic era mostly passed me by. In fact, my abiding memory is the entire street stinking of old cabbage and boiled socks, a thug I realised in later years to be the lingering odour of hashish. What with Portobello Market being the swingiest, not to mention grooviest place on earth, my mother's shop attracted customers from far and wide. I recall Vincent Price, a collector of Victorian inkwells, complaining to my mother about his children's life choices, with all the weight and Hollywood charisma of another mum at the school gates. But the one I remember most was Ursula Andrus, another jobbing actress who I believe ran an antique clock shop in Switzerland and regularly travelled to London on buying sprees. Even at the age of nine, having seen neither What's New Pussycat or Doctor No, I knew I was in the presence of a goddess. As mum discussed the whys and wherefores of some or other timepiece, my adoration was all too obvious. Spotting this, mum later advised me that I might in future have some success with the opposite sex if I learned to at least say hello and not simply stare open-mouthed like an idiot. Every Sunday, my parents would return from their own buying spree laden with bigels, smoked salmon and newly acquired treasures to be sold on at the best price as quickly as possible. But over the years, there were a few keepers they retained as an investment or simply because they were too nice to sell. Among these were a miniature by William Ross, Queen Victoria's official portrait painter, a beautiful and rare Russian silver snuff box with an inlaid picture of the hermitage, and the water crane tiles. In the early 1980s, Dad took early retirement and my parents closed the Portobello business to take over a standalone shop near a home and devote themselves to antiques full-time. It didn't go well. Within a few years, the bottom fell out of the antiques trade, partly due to changing fashions and partly because of a collapse in silver prices. Various keepers needed selling off at auction to keep their heads above water, the miniature and the snuffbox included. But it seemed they loved the tiles too much to let them go, Mum died in 2009, and Dad followed three years later. One of the saddest things many of us ever have to do is clear out the home we grew up in after our parents have gone, watching a large part of our lives flushed away in a matter of days. My brother Andrew and I met at their house the day after Dad's funeral to begin the process, and the first thing we discussed was who got which heirloom. I got the tiles. I've since discovered that one of the reasons my parents kept the tiles was that 
despite water cranes' renown, they really are not all that valuable. But I don't care about that. The main thing is that they grace our home as beautifully today as at my parents' home five decades ago, and that one day they will grace our son's home just as magnificently. A testament to both Water Crane's genius and my mother's fabulously good taste. That was The Tiles, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then why not like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. And I'll see you next time.